the Cyber Show. I'm Sherry Sigmund, your host, Cybersecurity Authority, consultant, and entrepreneur. Today on the Cyber Show, we have a very special guest. Hi, hi, Fong. Hey, hi. I'd like you to meet Fong Chua. He is a business strategist, real estate investor, and best-selling author hailing from Alberta, Canada. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So today, we're going to talk about several topics, but Fong is also a peak performance specialist, a peak potential specialist, and we have several topics in mind to talk about along the lines of business success, success in life, how to leverage remote workforce. Yeah. Hold on for one moment. Uh, you can't say peak potential performance specialist. I can't? You can't say peak potential uh, performance specialist because that's branded by somebody else. Oh, gotcha. So that's why it's the peak potential success show. So I don't use peak potential. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. so okay, so cut here, no problem. Edit, edit, edit. Cut that part out. So uh, you could say something like, um, uh, "Fong is somebody who loves helping other people unlock their potential." Okay, great. And then I'll turn it over to you to, to just, and we can just start talking again. Yeah. And they are literally right outside in my front yard cutting grass. Oh, <laughs> of all the times, <laughs> it's like. I'm booked for meetings until 2 p.m. and that's when the pressure washer is coming. So I'm like, oh, I just want to go to the beach some days. Take the <laughs> laptop, go to the beach. There's less noise on the beach, right? Just more that's people. True. Okay, so edit, edit, edit here. And we're still recording, which is good. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a filter they can use the back uh, to drown that out or not, but I mean, it is what it is. People are working from home. You know, people have to, they're, they're earning a living. You know, so, okay, edit here. Fong likes to help people achieve ultimate success and achieve their peak potential. Do you have anything to talk to about that, to speak to about that, Fong? Well, yeah. I First of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's an, a complete honor. I absolutely love helping people unlock the potentials. I love adding value and impacting as many people as I can. So being on the show is a great opportunity for me to do that. And it's always a joy to talk to other people who are successful and also have that right mindset who loves to either add value or keep on having that growing mindset. Uh, yeah, so like I, like you said, I'm a business strategist, real estate investor. I'm a best-selling author, and I'm also a speaker. Um, I work with other people, helping them achieve their goals, helping them with their business, helping them to go up on stages to speak, and just helping them find out what it is they want to do in life and some goals that they could actually challenge themselves to do and helping them achieve that, uh, whether it's going up on stage to speak, creating videos, uh, authoring books, whatever it is. It's a joy working with people because after some time working with them, they'll come up to me and go, oh, thank you very much for changing my life. And that just really, uh, that just really pulls on my heartstrings because I'm able to uh, impact somebody uh, for the better. So yeah, that's what I do. Awesome. So can you talk about how you've been able to reach more people to do exactly those types of things, leveraging modern technology and, and all the tools out there in cyberspace that we're using today? What are your thoughts on that? Well, one, one, one thing that I've always kind of, uh, tried to avoid was doing Zoom calls because I, I felt that doing Zoom calls kind of had that barrier between me and the other person. And I, I lose that, uh, that personal touch. I lose that connection. So I, I do a lot of one-on-ones and I sit down, I really ask the questions, the tough questions to find out what they want to do and find out what their passions are, what, find out what their, their dreams are, and also find out what their frustrations are. Um, because of this whole pandemic and because of the lockdown, I had to open up a whole new world of trying to, okay, okay, now we have to do Zoom calls, now we have to do everything online. And it's really worked out very well because I'm able to connect with so many different people. In fact, during this period of time, I was able to start having 
clients overseas. I have some people in Hong Kong. I'm working with people in South Africa. And it's just, it was, it's just amazing because I, I never imagined I could connect with so many different people and then also be able to help different people in different areas. And now I can say, oh, I have clients all over the world, which has impacted my business a lot. So being in the virtual space is more efficient, more time efficient, more, more energy efficient. And it just really, uh, it helps you really time manage a lot better because you don't have to drive out everywhere. You don't have to schedule the meetings and factor in driving time or flying time or uh, time zones and all kinds of stuff. You may have to uh, deal with time zones with regards to scheduling the meetings on Zoom. And that happens a lot more now because we're doing international stuff too. But other than that, you can just wake up, walk downstairs, put on your clothes, and then sit in front of a camera and connect with somebody overseas. So it's been a lot more efficient that way. And in fact, like the connection part, you're, we're able to talk right now. And I feel like I've known you for, for years and it's, it's still being very effective at the same time. So I, I absolutely love being, being able to do all this kind of stuff online. I think it helps people be better, faster, more efficient. Definitely. And I myself personally have really enjoyed the slowdown in travel. I was like all over the place, consulting in Texas and DC, Virginia, and now I'm home. I've been home for several months and quote lockdown. And I don't think it's a negative thing. I think the travel slowdown has enabled me to really focus and be more productive. And there's only one downside, and I just have to apologize in advance to our audience. You may hear it. Those are my wiener dogs barking in the background, and our schedules are slammed both for Claudia and me today. This is the only time we can record it is when the people are outside cutting the grass. So the dogs are barking at the grass cutters, the lawn service. That will be done in about five minutes, and then you can just run all that out. But this is life in the, in the pandemic era. People are working more remotely, and sometimes it's family members or people walking by or kids saying, Dad, Mom, or sometimes it's pets or cats jumping up on the computer or you know, hitting the keyboard, whatever. So these are like the daily distractions that I've noticed. Uh, one thing I, I noticed is a lot of people are just carving out personal space within their homes, whether it's a bedroom or an office or a basement or a gym or even an outbuilding like a shed in the back. They used to be garden tools or something else. They're repurposing that and making that their private workspace. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on different business opportunities and models that are funneled by the shift to a remote workforce and technology in cyberspace? Well, I think one thing that's really enhanced the ability to do business is online sales. Uh, you're able to connect with a lot of different people. You're able to um, be, be able to really uh, to to talk about your products, to talk about your service to a big, bigger, wider range of audience members and also connect with different people and their, their network as well. So for instance, I know a lot of people in, um, in the insurance business who's made a lot more money during this period of time than they ever made before. I know people in the Amazon sales uh, department and in that industry, and they've done very, very well during this time too. So for lots of people who goes, oh yeah, during this downturn, uh, business isn't going very well and this isn't working, that isn't working. Well, I know a lot of people who are making so much more money during this time because they're able to focus and realize the, the little things that they do in a, on a day-to-day -day basis that may or may not be necessary anymore after this whole uh, downturn lifts. They may go, well, it's not necessary for us to actually travel to these places to go and have that meetings anymore. Let's just do the Zoom call. Uh, it's not necessary to focus on this part of the business because if we focus on this other part of the business, we could be a little bit more efficient and faster and better. So uh, during this period of time, when you're realizing that technology can really, really uh, advance your ability to connect and then also be more efficient, it allows people to think a little bit differently. 
they're able to realize and cut out the stuff that's actually taking more time than they actually needed to take and now focus on the stuff that really makes them money, that really allows them to be more productive. And I, I think the relational capital is just has grown exponentially. And by that, I mean the, the relationships that you have in your business or your personal life and just being able to have the time to sit down and think about ways you can add value and reconnect with people that you haven't talked to in a long time. From my perspective, I've reached out to a, a former high school teacher, uh, someone I knew in college, some people I knew in the Air Force, uh, or a colonel I used to work for at the Pentagon in the Air Force. Uh, we're actually going to going to be doing a show here in the next week or so. And, and it, it just people, new people I've met. So I've reconnected with former relationships that have gone dormant from, you know, whatever reason, you know, people move, life goes on, people have families. And I, I know you have, you're a young father. So uh, what's your experience in terms of uh, your perspective on relational capital and using technology to stay in touch with people from your past or your present? I think it's been very advantageous. There's been a lot of people that I've actually connect, reconnected with because of Zoom, because of Facebook, because of LinkedIn that I, I didn't think I was going to be talking to again. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, I've, I've actually known from high school and then after 10 years later, it's like, oh, hey, let's connect again. And it, it's like you've never missed that beat, which is very, very nice. And with, with Zoom, it's actually working very well on top of that because you actually get to see that person's face. And once you see that person's face, it's like, hey, it's, it's back to normal. We're, we're back to high school again and we get to talk and connect like that. So yeah, technology has really, really helped with regards to reconnecting with friends, building better relationships, and then also just finding out different opportunities with different people and having this ability to be, be talking face-to-face -face on Zoom has really advanced that to, to create those stronger relationships. Now, as, as you said, like technology really benefits a lot of us and technology really allows us to make things better, efficient, and, and more, uh, a lot more faster. But of course, there's always some downside and there's always these other people who tries to find ways to use technology for, for the worse or use technology to, to hurt other people. And that's why I, I com completely commend you on your services because you're, you have to be one step ahead of all these people every single time. When something else comes up, you have to go, okay, how do I counteract that? When somebody else comes up with something else and you have to counteract that again and you always have to be ahead of the curve. So for somebody like you, Wow, you have to read a lot of stuff. You, you have to be up and ready to go and be, you have to be ahead of the curve and solve problems before these problems come up. So um, applauding you all the time for, for being able to think of that kind of stuff and having that kind of mindset and helping other people. Thanks, Fong. And I'll tell you, the attack vectors, have, they've, they've changed. Because also, as we're working from home, and thank goodness it's gotten a little bit quieter as the, as the lawn service moved on. <laughs> Yes, it's day in the life, right? So uh, I think that uh, the bad actors or, or the hackers or the, the black hats, as we call them, you have the white hats and the black hats and the gray hats. But the white hats are, are the good hackers, the people that defend networks with permission. And the, obviously the black hat, it's like, like the American Southwest. You know, back in the day in the West, they had the uh, you know, cowboys. The good guys wore white hats and the bad boys wore black hats. So that's the, that's the context and the connotation there, the white hat, black hat hacker. So there are a lot of black hat hackers now that are sitting at home or wherever they may happen to be in the world, basement or whatever, wherever they work. We, there are some organizations that are uh, even nation state sponsored that have office buildings where it's just like hacker central and everybody who goes to work, who still commutes, they go to this main office and I'm thinking of a certain nation state. We'll, we'll pick, you know, name anybody in particular, but there's one where there's a huge office building in a downtown metropolitan area where the best hackers in the world go to that 
building or set of buildings, and that's where they operate from. Well, My perspective is I would do it separately, you know, so people can't identify where you are because what happens if that building gets taken out? Then your best, your best, you know, your best intellect, your best uh, talent gets to be taken out just like that. But that's a sidebar. But there are people in either the the basement actors or the you know the the, the script kiddies, the people who want to do it for fun or just they think it's fun or the bragging rights or other nefarious reasons or they really want to cause economic damage. You know, I'm thinking of the ransomware people who are demanding Bitcoin to release your, your data, that sort of thing. But they're they're more bored now. I mean, before I don't know they had th other things to do, but now because of the pandemic, my perspective and what I've seen and what my colleagues are, t are telling me they they're also seeing is that they have more free time on their hands and they're thinking of things they haven't even thought of before. So now we have more zero day exploits, which is the first time seeing something in the wild. Mm -hmm. It's something brand new that hasn't been patched yet. It hasn't been patched for there's it's a vulnerability that was not previously known. So there are a lot more zero days to stay on top of and cyberspace has turned into a, a different type of a cyber battlefield because of the time difference and the, the time freedom that they have because they're not, they're not working jobs because of the unemployment, because of the pandemic. They might have had side jobs before, but now you give a hacker, you give a hacker <laughs> or even a, a part-time hacker who just does it as a quote hobby, you give mm -hmm. them unlimited time and boredom and no way to go out and hang out with their friends in person. I, I don't, it's just a recipe for uh, a, a shift in the attack surface. So that's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to mention that because as you alluded to, it has changed and you have to stay on top of it and it's a ton of reading. That's why I have multiple monitors, multiple computers, and it looks like Geek Central in my office. I'm actually not in the office area now, so I have a little bit better background, and I was hoping for more quiet <laughs> for this episode. But anyway, it, it is what it is, and you adjust, and, and I think the lesson is to be flexible in life, and I, and I appreciate your flexibility in juggling and scheduling for this call as well. I really appreciate you carving out time to do this. Hey, no problem. Right, so Happy to do that, Fong. Do you have anything to add along the lines of what you would give as advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, someone who doesn't have a business yet but wants to start a business? What would the strategy be? Well, I would think that when it comes to uh, the cyberspace and for people who are thinking about uh, becoming a business person or being getting into entrepreneurship, whatever it is, I, I think they need to think about exactly what type of person they want other people to see them for. Uh, whether you want to go find a job, you want to start a business, you want to be able to brand yourself or create that personal uh, persona so that other people go, hey, this person's uh, ethical, this person's hardworking, this person is the expert in these things. What are those words that you want other people to associate you for? And once you decide on what those words are, those are the words that's going to be representing you all the time. So when you go onto social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and all kinds of stuff, before you do any posting, ask yourself, are these posts going to be congruent with the stuff that, you're, that you want people to, to know you for? Um, if, you're, if you want to be known as a person who's hardworking, professional, and um, somebody who's persistent and confident, then all your posts needs to be something motivating, something that supports that idea and not be incongruent with that thought. Because the thing is, when for me, I go and I go and check up on on tenants, and when I screen my tenants, I look at their Facebook pages. When I hire people, I look at their Facebook pages. So if if you're if you're telling me one thing on your resume, or if you're telling me one thing on your application, and you're also telling me one thing during our interview process, but that's not congruent with what is on your Facebook page, then I'm I'm going to start asking questions, or I'm just going to go. You know what? It's not worth the risk. Their Facebook page shows that they're partying all the time. Uh, they might be late all the time. They may not be looking after my property and all kinds of stuff. 
I may want to just skip on that and find somebody else that's a better fit. So if you're gonna start off as a entrepreneur or going out and starting your own business, you really have to think of those words that you want people to know you for and then be congruent and consistent with your posts that support that message. Good points. And I, I even tell my nieces and nephews, you know, when they're teenagers, I just caution them before they join the workforce or start their own business or whatever they end up doing in life. Just be really careful and cautious about what, put, what you post on social media, as an example, because you never know where that's going to show up or who's going to be looking at that in the future. And you may think it's cute now, and it might be cute, but it might not be taken in the same context you intended it when, when you were a teenager, when you're in your, you know, in your early 20s and you're, when you begin uh, in a different phase of your life. So totally concur there. <laughs> What, what advice would you give someone who already has a business and wants to expand their business globally? Well, I think that a great way to expand your, their, your business globally is really to expand your connections globally. If you're able to connect with different people from all over the world, and a great way of doing that is what we're doing right now. Uh, start scheduling Zoom calls, start scheduling interviews, uh, starting your own podcast, starting your own uh, YouTube channel and have, have shows so that you're connecting with different people and adding values to all these people. So for instance, if you're in the industry of, let's say, coaching, which is uh, something you're in and something I'm in, and you want to expand your business of, of coaching, then you can go and interview successful people in, in Asia, successful people in Europe, and then just start building that network with different people. And those successful people will connect you with other people. And now when you're tagging them on your Facebook page or uh, tagging them on, um, on YouTube or whatever like that, then their audience will get to see what, who they're talking to. And then now you get some of their audience. So when you're starting to when you get to interview different people from all different genres, all different uh, areas of the globe and all different industries, then you're able to connect with all different types of audience members that you may or may not even think of talking to. Like I've met people who are Olympians. I've met people who are professional, former professional hockey players. And I never imagined talking to these people, but it's because of one connection leading to, leading to another connection. And then these connections might lead to other people. So their audience members are completely different than audience members that I'm, I'm used to. So if you really want to connect globally, you really have to think about, okay, how do I connect with different people from all over the world and still add value to these people at the same time? So that's, that's one really, really easy thing that everybody can do if they want to expand globally. Okay, great. Do you have any thoughts in general about what makes a person successful in life or in business? Just a very broad question. <laughs> well, when it comes to success, I think, first of all, that person needs to make the decision that they want to be successful. And once they make that decision of wanting to be successful, then in turn, they, they know that you have to work hard. They know they have to put in the effort, put in the time to get to certain things that they want to achieve. Uh, the next thing is surrounding yourself with coaches, hiring a coach, or surrounding yourself with people who have that same mindset that challenges each other, that holds each other accountable, that has that mindset of always succeeding or growing and continuous learning so that you can bounce ideas off of each other. If you're surrounding yourself with people who are always negative and always have that same mindset of, of, uh, of a of a employee, then you're never going to overcome that hump and jumping into entrepreneurship. So this, the second thing to success is really surrounding yourself with those people who's able to support you and, and in turn that you can support and grow at the same time. And then, like I said, you also need a coach who can show you the way as well. Um, I know a lot of people say, yeah, you can think outside the box, 
Well, that's kind of impossible because if you're in your own box and your box is created by everything that you've experienced and learned, it's only your version, then how do you read outside of that box? So you need somebody else to go, hey, this is what's written on the outside of your box. This is what you can do. And these are the challenges that I think you can overcome. And for me, I love being able to help people reach their uh, unlock the potentials because they may or may not know what they're capable of. And I love being able to go, hey, think about this. Maybe you could do that. You're going to be able to achieve that. And once they're able to achieve these certain things, they go, now what's next? Which is the same process that you and I went through when we're talking to our coaches. So it's one of those things that having a coach in your life, having those people around your life to support you is, is vital if you want to become successful. Yeah, great. And I want to share something with you. I, I found this when I was cleaning up my home office. I have, <laughs> let's see if you recognize, tell me what this is. This that's is a, that's a, that's a disc for your computer. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard, hard surface, 3.5 floppy disc. The soft ones used to be five and a quarter inch. This is a 3.5 inch personally labeled floppy disc. This happens to be a 3M high density, 1.44 megabytes. Oh my gosh, and we're streaming gigabytes and terabytes these days. This is old school tech. Right now, it's used, I'll show you what it's used for right now. Okay, so from a technology perspective and cyberspace perspective, this is a little bit of a sideboard, so indulge us, folks. You have to keep pace of technology and use the best technology that's available at the time. This used to be available, uh, this was an upgrade from 5.4 soft floppy disks. I don't have any computers that run these now, so what this is for now, in terms of keeping up with technology, it's a coaster. You repurpose it as a coaster for your for your orange juice. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I've got towers of those coasters. <laughs> That's a coaster. So technology becomes obsolete, and from a security perspective, you don't want to use outdated operating systems like Windows NT. Sometimes I'll run a scan on something for a larger client, a corporate client, and they have mainframe systems and old systems that are legacy systems, which they haven't retired yet, and mm. they'll have really old operating systems. NT. I just I want to get into all the details, but. As an example, because it costs so much to upgrade to the new version, they're still trying to they're trying to squeeze every little bit of ink they can and get their 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 cost out of that. And some just can't be patched anymore. So, if you have an obsolete technology like this, <laughs> just retire it. That's my advice. Just retire it, get rid of it, and go to the best available technology that you have at the time for the purpose that's intended. And you don't have to have, you know like an Oracle license for, you know, 30 grand and then XYZ on top of it. You could be a smaller business starting out and you could use another tool to do something, for example. But my, yep. my advice would be to talk with people like, like you and find out what their needs are and essentially just get a baseline of what they need from A to Z, get the best available that, that's at their price point and just roll with that. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, don't put yourself at risk by using obsolete <laughs> obsolete technology. <laughs> I thought that was funny when I found I have to show you this. <laughs> I found a whole stack of them. I had a dozen. I have a dozen of them. The others just went in the trash and I kept the color-coded ones because you know, I'm a, a Clemson fan. Uh, so it's my alma mater. So it's orange. But I kept the orange ones. Very soon you're going to upgrade your coaster to CDs. Yeah, at CD <laughs> because most, most people are streaming these days. I can have a CD coaster, but they have that hole in the middle. So I don't know. It's a way to think about things. It's kind of along the lines of thinking outside the box. It's like, this this could be used for this, or now it could be used for that. But I think the, the key thing that's connecting people globally these days are the video teleconferencing platforms, so such as Zoom, you know, Cisco WebEx, or Microsoft Teams, or Skype for Business, 
or there's several other brands out there. I think there are about 12 of them that the National Security Agency did a study on to, to determine their effectiveness, their security posture, essentially. If anybody likes that, I give them a free report, just contact me. And it's essentially the security posture evaluation from the United States National Security Agency on the different video VTC, video teleconferencing platforms and how secure they are or aren't. So hit me up with that if you're interested in that. Mm-hmm. But for now, it's mostly Zoom. For me, it's mostly Zoom, Skype for business, or MS Teams, depending on what corporate client I'm working with or, or supporting at, at the moment. And uh, for my business, I like to just use Zoom because I, I, they've made improvements. I can lock it down. When it first started, you know, with the pandemic, and they had this like exponential growth overnight with kids working from home, you know, kid, people working from home, kids doing school from home, college students working from, you know, working on their studies from home. It was not planned for, so they've had to like face a little bit of public backlash when they had some uh, some polls that were publicly posted, and then they responded quickly and they fixed them. And they have an executive board and committee that are, that are actively working on that. So, I think I think it's better than some of the others. It's my personal perspective, so that's why I use it, and that's why we're on Zoom right now, uh, sharing uh, information with you today, because the meeting's locked and it's password protected, and the link wasn't posted publicly. And it was you know we can change it on the fly. It's not a recurring meeting. That sort of thing, but yeah, very, very that's my two cents on that. I'm sorry, what? Very, very flexible. So it's it's yeah, and flexible right. is the key, right? Yeah, it's flexible. As a as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to be flexible and maneuver around certain things because you can't you can't plan for everything, and nothing is ever perfect. So the thing is, you you take the action, uh, apply it, and then adjust on the fly if need be. And the faster you can adjust, the more successful you can be. So when, for, for instance, Zoom, being able to be very, very flexible allows them to be ahead of the game of other, other, um, other services, and that's why more people pick them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then in response to that recovery and then the, the, their fast response to the security fixes, they added new features and, and made some features that were already there that were hidden more, more, op- more obvious that people can use, and they scale it and work with like high-end event organizers. I won't mention any names here because I don't have permission to use their brand and their name. But they were hosting a very large Zoom session that was negotiated with Zoom's leadership in order to enable it. And it was just a massive screen of over tens of thousands of people concurrently on that session. And that wouldn't have been possible just a few months ago, pre-pandemic. It just wouldn't have been possible because they hadn't scaled. The economy of scale wasn't there yet. So from a business perspective, you have to have the economies of scale where it becomes more available to the mainstream from a cost-benefit analysis point of view. So... I think now with so many people using VTC video teleconferencing platforms, such as Zoom and others, it's just going to become a way of life. It's people may get tired of it after a while, but it's it is it's, it's what's available now and it's improved. And I kind of like it. I mean, I changed I changed the the black the black hole the letterbox the black and when I have these the video these videos edited. And when you see this uh, finished product on the Cyber Show. On, on Millionaire Flex and YouTube, for for example, and then Spotify later, when you see it, the black border will be taken out and we'll have what we call it a lower third or a video background replacement edited in there. It'll have a little bit of motion and it'll look a little bit more professional than the standard default black letterbox. It's kind of like when you see a movie and it has the black boxes around it, it's called a letterbox. So for lack of a better term, and lack of better understanding, I just call it a letterbox. But <laughs> if you see it, because it, it takes up most of the screen. <laughs> And it's I, think, yeah. I think also for, for video conferencing, it opens up a new, um, a, a new aspect for people to think about, and that's attention to detail of your surroundings. Uh, there's many, many video conferences I've been to and many different uh, uh, videos that I actually see that 
people forget what's actually in the background. And they, they think that, hey, let's just do a video and then all of a sudden in the background you see people walk by or you see a poster they've always had up for the longest time, but it's not really appropriate for, for a meeting situation. Right. Or, there's a mirror, or there's a mirror behind them and they're not wearing pants. Whatever it is, it, it starts to allow them to start thinking about what's in my surroundings, what's going to be on screen, and then when, whether or not they're going to be on video conferencing or not. Later on, when they do go to meetings live one-on-one, -on -one, they might be paying a little bit more attention to little details around them and being aware of what's actually happening around them and all kinds of stuff because they're so used to being more aware of that during a, a video conference situation. So I think that's actually a good benefit after, after people have to go through some of the, uh, the learnings or the failures of, of mistakes that they've gone through. So it's, it's probably a good thing. I agree. It sounds, it sounds good to me. And one of the things I, I find funny when I see on social media, the, the memes, and this is just kind of a, a little bit of a sidebar too, is uh, you know, they have the guy, the, the tie he has on like, like socks and business shoes, shorts, and then the nice suit and tie with three-piece tie, and, you know, it's just called the, the, the Zoom shirt. It's yeah. just the uh, just the upper what you see. It's like like in a newspaper, it's like the, uh, the above the fold. So in the, in the video world, above the fold would be what you see from here up. So, you know, have on a full, you know, business attire. But some people just have on pajamas or shorts or whatever they wear, and that's just a common thing that, that people don't think about, but it's people joke about it. And then they forget what they're wearing underneath and they get up to go get a beverage or something and don't pause the camera. And yeah. so you see them in their little short shorts. They have on a suit and tie and a nice business jacket, but then you, you see their short shorts. I'm like, I'm sure they forgot that they're wearing something just different underneath. So it's just a good point to just not do that. Just have on everything that you don't mind somebody seeing if you forget to uh, press pause on the video if you're moving around your home or your office or wherever, but you have to be working in the world at the moment, depending on your situation. Yeah, it's, it's that it's that mentality of um, when you're when you're out in public, you're you're on stage. It's it's something that uh, that Disney has implemented into their business from from the beginning. So, for instance, when you watch when you go to Walt Disney World or something, or go to Disneyland and you watch their parades, oh, yeah. well, they're when they're performing every step of the way, and they know exactly where the last. Uh, viewpoint of a of a guest member is so even though if they walk past you and walked into the gates and they're about done you still see them performing until the last view that you see them turn the corner then they're done then they're off stage so the thing is when you're the moment you're out in public the moment this video turns on you are on stage and everything that's going to happen at this very moment can be seen so whether i turn around whether i walk out of the office it's still on stage and therefore you need to keep composure, you have to keep that professionalism. Um, no different than if you were asked to go on stage to speak in person. The moment they announce your name, the moment you stand up from your seat, you're on stage. So you, you better not be like all slouching and walking up, this, uh, up the stairs and all of a sudden I'm on stage and you're all professional. No, you, you start being professional the moment you sit down and the moment you walk up and coming back down. So you just have to have that mentality of, you're on stage, you're performing, and then when you're off, that's when you're off. When the when the sight lines are are past you, then you're off stage. So that's a good point, Fong. It's all about professional image and presentation and the messaging. And you you uh, you mentioned earlier in our in our show today that it's all about how do you want to be seen? What do you want people to think of you? You know, hardworking or what what your image is all about expectation management around what your image and your, your professional demeanor, your personal presence is to the world as a, as a business owner. 
Yeah. And for, for people like yourself, who needs to be a step ahead, you need to visualize what's going to come later. You're going to have to visualize what are some of the trials and tribulations of the next hacker or the next technology so that you can stay ahead of games. So you're, you're thinking ahead all the time so that you can prepare for it. And same thing here. For something as simple as an interview on, on Zoom, you need to think ahead of, okay, I'm going to plan to have my water here. I'm going to plan on my, on my breaks. Therefore, I'm going to be here the whole time. I'm going to plan on talking about this, talking about that, so that you're a little bit prepared as to what you can be presenting or performing in front of the public. So always think ahead. Always visualize what's going to go on before you actually do it. I like it. And actually, maybe after this, we can talk offline a bit. And from your perspective as a real estate investor, I see something looking ahead. As you mentioned, I see something where there's a convergence of cybersecurity and a real estate opportunity. So I, I don't want to mention that here because we haven't talked about it first, but we can either do a follow-up session about it or just talk about it offline and then maybe bounce around some ideas and collaborate that way. But see something like this happens, folks. When you're having an interview with someone, he says something that gives me an idea and then we can like follow up on further. You know, it may come to fruition or it may not, but it's always be paying attention and listening, truly listening to what people are saying. Because what it's you hear is like an idea. Yeah, it's that whole concept of surrounding yourself with like-minded people who always has new ideas popping up. And when you just collaborate on something, better ideas come up. So yeah, it's always fun to talk to people like yourself. That's good. Well, hey, do you have any closing thoughts for today? I know you have a, another meeting here in about five minutes. So, Well, uh, closing thoughts are basically, if you want to do something, always go out there and ask the people who are doing it and are successful at it. Don't ask the people who have no idea what they're talking about or asking the people who have tried it and failed. Uh, some examples of that, for instance, Bitcoin. I had somebody come up to me and go, hey, um, I, I, I got approached with this opportunity to go into Bitcoin, but I didn't do it. I'm like, why, why not? Because he asked a family member and that family member says it doesn't work. I'm like, geez, I know personally three, four people that makes a lot of, uh, a lot of money on Bitcoin. So I could have connected you with those people. Ask those people who are successful at it before you make your judgment as to whether or not you should do it or not. Same with uh, people in insurance. They, they come up to me and goes, yeah, I can't get in sales. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm like, did you ask somebody who's actually successful in doing that right now? And they go, no. So yeah, whatever it is that you really want to do, whatever you want to pursue, wh whether it's entrepreneurship or book writing or real estate investing, whatever it is, go and ask the people that you know are already successful at it and are doing it right now. Now, if you don't have connections to those people, I'm sure you know somebody who knows somebody who does. So as long as you keep on asking that question and finding out, hey, who can you connect me to that knows about this stuff, who are successful at it, that's when you have the right people who will support you, the right people who give you the right information, and the right people who can actually push you along and make sure that you are successful in that venture because they're successful at it as well. So that's my biggest advice for anybody who's out there who wants to pursue something. And then also connect with yourself, who's a coach and an expert in the cyberspace. All right. Thanks so much, Fong. So how would someone want, uh, who wants to get in touch with you contact you? What, what's the best way? LinkedIn, Facebook, website? Yeah, I'm all over social media. If you can could, you could find me on Facebook, it's Fong Chua. I believe there's only one Fong Chua out there right now. Uh, you could go to my website, fongchua.com or meetfongchua.com. Uh, I have a podcast. You can find me on Spotify. It's the Peak Potential Success Show. And I also have a YouTube channel, which is Your Area TV. Uh, that's where you have, I have a, a series every single week. I post a two, three minute video on just motivation, little tips, strategies here and there. It's called Make More Mind Bites. So you can find me on that as well. 
All right, great. Well, hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for your time today and for adding value to my audience. Really appreciate you being here on the Cyber Show. Great. Thank Coming you very much now. for having me again. We'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah, we'll do.